queens. Welcome to Mini Queens, your micro shot of movie queens. So many. I'm your host, Robert Best. And I am Javi Meabe. And we're here to talk about a mini version of what we usually do on Movie Queen. I mean, how excited are you? Because <laughs> this is one of your favorite TV shows. It truly is. So we use Mini Queens as a way to do other content. We can talk about shows like TV shows. And so this week, we're talking about one of my favorite TV shows, The Golden Girls. So golden with so many girls. So many gals. <laughs> Who are golden. So wait, can I ask you a question? Of course. Um, I know we're going off script. I love it. It's so rogue. But what got you into this show? I don't even remember because I didn't watch it when it aired. I think I watched reruns like many people. It's so well written and it's so effing funny that I immediately was just like, why was I not watching this when it was on the air? And so I found it kind of later in life and just became obsessed with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Michael was a Michael is a huge fan of Golden Girls. Yeah, and so sometimes we just watch it when we're like eating dinner or just like hanging out, and he laughs every time. I'm sure he's seen these episodes millions of times, but he laughs like it's like the first time he's seen it. Fun fact as well, I will share with you that we at work there was a bunch of us designers like quite a while ago, and we bought collectively this series on DVD, and we would watch episodes at lunch. And just have the best time. Like, it was so epic. That's fun. So Bill Greening and myself, we kind of knew it, of course. And Linda, who didn't really know it, well, it grew to be one of her favorite shows, I would say. I mean, I think the cool thing about Linda is, like, she had two golden girls just helping her out. (laughs) I was like, wait, there's something cool about Linda. (laughs) So some quick backstory about the show itself. It aired from 1985 to 1992. So it had a very long run. It was created by Susan Harris, and it starred B. Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty as the central characters. That's kind of it. Well, Those are the major facts that I know. There's another fun fact. Yeah. Is that one, is it B. B. Arthur? Yes. She left. They did the Golden Palace. That's right. They, it had a spinoff called the Golden Palace, which lasted like a minute and showed how pivotal the B. Arthur role was, because when she was gone... It just didn't hold up. Did it? I was, we were watching it recently and they did like a show within a show. It was the, the story about the dad who the, the wife died and he, I don't, I'm totally butchering it. Just edit this whole part out. Okay, uh, done. You know how they do that stuff during um, TV shows where like they're going to introduce a new show. So they have like a way to kind of integrate it. Empty Nest. That's what it's called. Yes. Uh, I'm so happy I thought of it. Okay. Yeah. Empty Nest was, did kind of, was a spinoff from Golden Girls because yeah. the doctor was the guy who played their neighbor. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And they had uh, some of the cast from the Golden Girls come in the Empty Nest episodes. Yeah. But wasn't Blanche always flirting with the uh, with the doctor? Yeah, Blanche was always flirting with the doctor. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love that I figured it out. Okay, well, you saved yourself there because I thought you had gone crazy. You were looking at me like I was like, I was, because I was like, where is about? this going? The other, a few other things about the golden girl so it's interesting i was reading a bunch of the backstory which i didn't really know until this but i guess b arthur did not really get along with any of the cast Mm -hmm. which i feel really like she's my favorite character if i'm honest and that makes me a little bit sad didn't she not like uh betty white right she yeah she particularly did not like betty white interesting also was that betty white was the eldest member of the cast and would go on to outlive all of them oh shit yeah and while Sophia Petrillo or Estelgetti, who played Sophia Petrillo, was the second oldest, she would die. I think she was the first one to pass away. 
isn't it random? So none of that's like salient or important, but it just, again, these are just some of the little stories that you read about the cast. Another fun note that I read was, I guess, I don't remember how I read this, but they were asking Blanche Devereaux, they were asking Rue McClanahan, who played Blanche Devereaux, at some point, either on a TV show or a talk show, like, did you guys do a lot of ad-libbing? Was there a lot of, like, fun, jokey, blah? No. Exactly. She was like, no, we read the script as it was written. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I guess particularly B. Arthur, who played Dorothy and Estelle Getty, they were like, we're sticking to the script, we're not ad-libbing. And they see that. Betty White and Rue McClanahan were much more open to kind of like ad-libbing, throwing out ideas, whatever. And then they said that the writers would take some of their good ideas and, and then kind of build them into the script. But that Dorothy and Sophia would rehearse exactly as written and then go on to perform it exactly the same way. Huh. Like they were true professionals. Huh. Another side fun note was that uh, Estelle Getty had terrible stage fright. Really? Yes. They said that she was the least seasoned of all four of them because B. Arthur and Blanche, or B. Arthur and uh, Rue McLennan had done the TV show Maud together. Okay. Betty White had been on multiple TV shows. She was like a true veteran. She had been on the Mary Tyler Moore show, which was a wildly she successful was? show. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. She played Sue Ann Nivens. And interesting, Sue Ann Niven's character on Mary Tyler Moore was like this horny, slutty, very sex-starved, very much like Blanche Devereaux. Oh, funny. And initially, they wanted to cast Rose, or they wanted to cast Betty White as Blanche Devereaux. But Blanche and... God, I keep using the wrong names. (laughs) I'm going to do this the whole episode. Betty White and Rue McClanahan decided to switch characters because they did not want to be typecast. Oh, cool. Because... Evidently, Rue McClanahan played like an airhead on the Mod TV show. Oh, isn't that crazy? I know. So these were just some of the fun facts that I read off on IMDb, and um, I got some other stuff off Wikipedia. But to get right to it, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, can you explain to the audience who the characters are? Oh, sure. Sorry. Yeah. Like, so a little background on the show. If you've never watched it, you're crazy. But no judgments. We're here, free of judgment, to share with you details about the show. So it explicitly deals with four older women who are in their golden years, hence the title, and they've all retired to beautiful Miami, Florida, where Blanche Devereaux owns a home that she's renting out looking for three other golden women to, you know, live the rest of her life with her. I don't know, whatever. And so she meets Rose Nyland and Dorothy Zbornak. Dorothy has a mother, Sophia Petrillo, that she had left in a retirement home. And they all decide to move in together to get up t- to all sorts of hijinks and senior citizen comedy. Wait, where do they move to? Miami, Florida. Miami is Miami, Miami. That's yeah. part of the... There's an episode where they write a song about Miami, and it's brilliant. Um, just a quick sort of side note, fun facts about the year of 1985, which was when the first episode aired. The episode we'll talk about today is much later on. It was from season seven, episode 19. But in the time that it um, aired, one of the major news stories of the day was that Coca-Cola had just introduced new Coke. Ooh, same shit. Different title. What I love is that obviously did not stick because shortly after the introduction, literally there were like riots and people protesting in the street and they went back to the old formula. I mean, if that's true, they needed hobbies. Yeah, but also if it ain't broke... Lesson learned, Coca-Cola. 
I mean, they also would go on to introduce Coke Zero, my favorite soda pop. You know, they just did um, like orange sherbet, Coke vanilla. That sounds that disgusting. Sounds gross. Gross. So it was also the time when all the musicians and pop stars around the world put on these huge Live Aid concerts to raise millions of dollars to help the starving in Africa. I mean, I have a really good fun fact. I just remembered it. It was uh, it was something that was really important in history, and it like changed a lot of like people's lives. It was the year that I was born. Okay, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> You looked at me like, oh, what is this, like, fact? I kept, my assumption was that it was going to be related to Britney Spears, but the reality was far worse. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, that is a great fun fact. Really? Is that the year of your birth? 1985? 1985. Yeah. That is so sad. Mostly for me, (laughs) because let's talk about what I was doing in 1985. I was in high school. Ooh, what year? I was going to Beverly Hills High with, like, Brenda Walsh. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I was, I I think, a sophomore or, yeah, I think I was a sophomore in high school. With the puffiest hair there. (laughs) The biggest muffiny hair, more feathered than the blonde dude from Legally Blonde. (laughs) <laughs> or oh my god snap. the bend and snap works every time that's gonna be our new mantra when that, we don't have anything else to say yeah so the name of the episode was the journey to the center of attention which the name alone is hilarious the name is priceless and it kind of says it all right we told you that there's four women living together in this house in miami blanche dorothy rose and sophia and this particular evening dorothy is about to settle in for a night of tv and popcorn But Blanche sees her, and she's disgusted. She's like, Dorothy, how many nights have you said it? Like, what are you doing? So she's going to drag Dorothy down to her favorite hotspot, the Rusty Anka, where there's, like, all-you-can-drink beer and good times to be had by all. Wait, can you just... What is she wearing? (laughs) Who? Which one? Uh, Blanche. Blanche is wearing some insane, (laughs) multi-ruffled, you know, shoulder-padded for days, bell-sleeved, turquoise, jacquard-printed silk dress. It's insane. I will say that just for the fashions alone, this show is everything. Yeah. Because they're older women, and so they're not wearing, like, necessarily the height of fashion, but it's still... TV versus reality, so it's over the top, and I love everything. It's like it. if the Dynasty women like were Had like gotten older. Yeah, 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 totally. They wear more button earrings and asymmetrically closed shoulder padded toggle wrap. Not, it's just, it's fully crazy. I mean, I'm living for every moment, and they have the wackiest hairstyles ever. More feathering than I don't even know what. More feathers than a seagull. And the the set is like wicker and palm fronds and so sort of mid-80s, early 90s. It's it's not. I remember growing up, we had a wicker chair. Yeah, and you felt like you were in the set of the Golden Girl. Yeah. So Dorothy's going to settle in for the night. Blanche isn't having it. And she, Dorothy's like, Blanche, those kind of places make me uncomfortable. Which Blanche then attributes to Dorothy's low self-esteem. She walks her through this exercise of when she's feeling bad about herself, she just has these little tricks. She says, I say to myself, I'm Blanche Devereaux. I'm beautiful. Men find me desirable. And people want to be my friend. Now you try it, Dorothy. To which Dorothy then responds, I'm Dorothy Swarnak. I'm beautiful. Men find me desirable. And people want to be my friend. Once Dorothy says that, Blanche kind of grimaces and pauses. (laughs) And she's like, 
Sorry, I confused you. You're supposed to say three things that apply to you. You could say, I'm Dorothy Zbornak. I'm a good speller. And I'm, uh, I'm very prompt. <laughs> and well, there's actually no rule that there says there has to be three. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do one for each other. Okay. I'm Robert Best. People find me attractive. Men find me desirable. And no one wants to be my friend. <laughs> I'm Javi Miabe. People find me annoying. <laughs> I fuck up the lines when I'm recording podcasts and irritate Robert Best in no end. I mean, all that was true, and I accept it. Let's keep going. Totally. So that scene alone is just such oh, a brilliant so setup because it's sort of like Blanche thinks she's the shit, and she just thinks that Dorothy's like nothing compared to her. So Dorothy has some funny rejoinder about how she's like, well, I can snap a friend's neck like a twig, <laughs> which is basically a veiled threat at Blanche. Um, but Blanche isn't bothered. The sort of secondary plot line, Rose and Sophia show up and they've just been to a wake where they're t- sharing stories about how wacky the wake was because people were dancing with the body. Well, they come in like all happy, like that was the best time ever. And yeah. Like it's what's like, happening. They were having a party going to someone else's wake because then Sophia has a great idea. She's like, People said so many nice things about that person, and it was so great that I want to have that while I'm still alive so I can hear the nice things people say about me. Bad idea. Yeah, because also, Sophia, like, no one's going to have anything nice to say about you because you're a mean old curmudgeon. (laughs) Which, if you watch the show at all, you know to be true. I mean, mean or honest? Mean. She's pointedly mean. Like, she says the meanest things to Dorothy all the time. Like, when that uh, guy came in and he's like, you're the most beautiful woman ever. And she was like, get out the boots. He's stepping in it. Exactly. <laughs> like, she's just like, oh, way to go, Sophia. Way to build your daughter's confidence. <laughs> Anyways, we're off on a tangent. Um, but then Dorothy's still unsure. She's like, I don't know if I want to go. And I wonder if anyone's going to dance with me or ask me to dance. To which Blanche responds, <laughs> Dorothy, if there's someone willing to dance with the corpse, just surely there'll be someone willing to dance with you. Thanks, Blanche. Let me get my <laughs> pearls and get out the door. Yeah, totally. So she has no, it's like, she doesn't give a fuck. She's hilarious. The two of them show up at the rusty anchor. And of course, as the door, you know, <laughs> I think Dorothy says something like, oh, do you know anybody? And just, Blanche is like, oh, maybe one or two people. When the door swings open, it's a full blow, like, hi, a Blanche from all of the patrons. It's like she's going to be tossed up in a blanket. I mean, honestly, Blanche is that aunt that every gay boy wants. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, you just wish that that was somebody in your life. Yes, I love it. show. She introduces Dorothy to a few of her friends, but she quickly ditches her because she wants to have a good time. And pretty soon, Blanche is leading a conga line across the bar, and poor Dorothy is left to kind of, you know, find her own fun, talking to some nerd who can't even be bothered to talk to her because he's like, I'm bored. And walks away. And walks away. And then she ends up chatting up the piano player because he's playing a tune that she kind of knows. That piano was so, like, out of place in that bar. Like, Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a piano bar at all. So you're kind of like, what the F? So encouraged by the pianist because he's like, oh, you sing, don't you? And Dorothy's like, oh, just a little. And they're kind of having their own conversation because he's singing a song that she knows. So then he's like, you have a good voice. What's your key? And then she gives him her key. So she starts singing along to a song that she knows that he's playing an accompaniment to, 
pretty soon the whole room is kind of quieted down and everyone's paying attention to Dorothy. My favorite thing about that scene though, and I think she's singing, what'll I do when you are far away and I am, but what'll I do? So she's singing, I think it's a Gershwin tune. I was going to ask you. I don't even know, but it's a standard. Once she realizes that the room is paying attention, she fully switches into like performance. I mean, she thinks she's Judy Garland. (laughs) The room busts into total applause. They're just like, oh my God, Dorothy's the best. Yay. I mean, let's also read the room. Like that probably was the best singer in that room, you know? (laughs) Totally that they've ever seen. Like, I don't think these guys get out much. The only person who's not thrilled is guess who? I mean, (laughs) Blanche Devereaux. Blanche Devereaux. So while it's all happening, Blanche is reading the room and starts to notice that she's losing the room. So she's kind of like, Wait, what's happening? Am I living an opposite day? The world's gone loco. She's pissed. She is pissed AF. And Blanche isn't having any of it. None of it. So cut to the next morning. Dorothy, sort of reinvigorated by her triumph at the Rusty Anchor, she's grateful to Blanche. She's like, Blanche, thank you for, you know, inviting me. I had the best time last night. And she's like, what did you think of, like, when I sang? (laughs) What does Blanche say to her, Javi? Oh, that little ditty you croaked down. I thought it was cute. <laughs> nice. That's what friends are for. So Blanche is a total biatch to Dorothy and does not like the fact that Dorothy stole her spotlight, basically. I mean, like, just don't say anything. Just be like, oh, it was nice. Or I didn't hear it. I was in the bathroom. Make up something. I like that little ditty you croaked out. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Yeah. It sort of implies that, like, oh, yeah, you just kind of barely managed to like you know croak it's very specific and hilarious this then takes us to a second plot point where you know sophia is insisting that they have a wake to honor her because she wants to hear the nice things people are saying dorothy thinks it's all a bit grim rose and blanche agree to sophia's wish and so they're going to host a party where they'll invite her friends and they can say nice things about her and kind of honor her life But Sophia will be there to hear them all, and it will be a party. Why would they have Rose plan this thing? I mean, that seems like the worst idea possible. Not only is she planning it, she's going to, like, create the hors d'oeuvres. And Rose, who always creates these bizarro things from, like, St. Olaf, is known for having the worst, like, taste in food and whatever else. That's weird. It's like you're so much like Rose, Javi. Yeah. Hilarious. (laughs) Not funny at all. (laughs) (laughs) we lost our minds this is true fast forward to the next evening where back at the rest anchor blanche is (laughs) sitting on the bar tying cherry stems into knots with her tongue and pressing all the male patrons having the time of her life that is until dorothy shows up again this time fully armed with music and ready to wow the audience and blanche you know completely gets ignored when the when dorothy comes in all the patrons quickly Switch their attention over to Dorothy and can't be bothered to even notice what's going on with Blanche. Isn't there a line where, like, uh, one of the guys say, like, you know what, Blanche on the piano, and they're like, hey, hey, there's a lady present, and they point to Dorothy? (laughs) Totally. They're making, like, jokes, but they're... It's so horrible, too, because it implies (laughs) that they treat Blanche like shit, but then when Dorothy shows up, they're like, hey, watch your mouth, there's a lady present. (laughs) So not the most flattering portrayal of Blanche. And they all sort of are like, oh, hey, Blanche. And she's like, yeah. And they're like, close the door. <laughs> so they're 
just like everything they're doing is sort of just like pointing out that Dorothy's their new best friend and Blanche is yesterday's news. I mean, it's like slowly bubbling up. Uh, so much so that Blanche sort of turns to the bartender and said, this is a part of my dream where I usually wake up screaming. <laughs> should be like okay like do you want a drink like i don't know how to take that <laughs> so they're like not sure what i'm supposed to do at this point um but encouraged by the newly smitten patron dorothy decides to reprise her singing she chooses a standard hard-hearted hannah the vamp of savannah to wow the audience with and everybody's like losing their minds they're all fans of dorothy's singing and she just is going up. I mean, all the songs, that's the one that she picks. <laughs> like, yeah, like the song choices are maybe a little bit dated. I wonder if it, they're free. Like if they didn't have to pay for those songs. Oh, that's true. Maybe that's why they chose them. You know, Dorothy's the test of the town. Blanche sits alone, dejected on the bar. No one's paying attention to her anymore. And the bartender asks her, what's the matter, Blanche? You seem upset. Is anything wrong? She quips, oh, no, no big deal. Just one little thing. Feel like I've died and gone to hell. <laughs> She's just like, I mean, don't talk to her anymore. Totally. It is like, uh, there is a reference later where Rose says something like, boy, when the mask falls, it makes a thud. And it's like, you're really witnessing that firsthand here because <laughs> Blanche is like, if all her value isn't being paid attention to by men, and now Dorothy's getting all the attention. She's got nothing left. I'm, I swear, I'm literally crying. Like, I love this episode. It has so many great it's lines. So good. Uh, the the sad thing too is that the B plot line is not even that interesting because then Sophie's wake, you know, is upon us. The only problem is, as Javi pointed out, Rose was planning it. It's a fake wake, everyone. <laughs> totally, and it's not a real wake, but. All her friends have showed up thinking that Sophie is actually dead because, oops, guess what? Rose forgot to tell them that this was a wake to honor Sophia, who is still living. So Blanche and Sophia are like, did you not tell me when this is a fake wake? And Rose is like, I did the hors d'oeuvre. I did the freaking decorations. I'm like, <laughs> what decorations? It's a funeral. Yeah, there was like streamers and balloons and whatnot. I mean, I can see that happening with Rose. When Sophia shows up... Everyone thinks that she's dead and all her old friends fade or go into cardiac arrest or actually die. We're not really sure, but they're P.O.'d. They're like, I drove all the way across town just to tell you how much I like whatever. And all I can say is I wish you were dead. So they're all mean to <laughs> Sophia. They're just like, you're horrible. And they all leave the party. I would. <laughs> No, I would stay and eat a little bit of food and then be like, I'm going to eat a little and then leave. Yeah, I'd just be like, I just need a coffee and a donut and then I'm going to hit the Like, road. I have a long drive, so yeah. just like, feed me before I leave. My my one favorite response to this is, though, Rose, of course, sees the upside. She's like, don't worry, Sophia, you'll have another one. <laughs> so, forever finding the silver lining, that's our Rose Nyland. Back to the main plot point and truly the reason to watch this episode. Back at the Rustanka, <laughs> Blanche has just like she can't even believe it so she's brought along rose and sophia to witness the world gone mad because in her mind the fact that dorothy has taken her place the rusty anchor is no longer her haven it is where dorothy comes to sing and be feted by the male patrons and blanche is all but like ignored and so she in an effort to even sort of reassure herself, she tries her positivity mantra again, starting off with, I'm beautiful, men find me desirable, 
But instead of ending with her usual people want to be my friend, she slips into my life is over. <laughs> like, like, why even bring them there? Like, it's such a mess. Like, this is just a shit show waiting to happen. And it is. It is. <laughs> Sophia makes some joke about how she can, can't believe that Dorothy's popular and she's crying and she leaves to work with the poor as per her agreement with God. So that paints a picture of, again, Sophia's really a bitch to Dorothy, always, because she never, you know, again, she never believes that Dorothy's good enough. And she always kind of says things to her to be like, you're not pretty, you're not popular, you're none of these things. Remember that one time she did say, you know why I call you pussycat? Because I like cats and I love you. Oh, that was sweet. And they do. They have sweet moments, you know. And then Rose, I think, oh no, Rose stays behind to watch the whole shit show. So Blanche decides to even the score. And so under the trench coat that she's wearing that evening, she unveils a red sequin sparkly dress and tells the crowd that she's going to sing because two can play at this game. So she asked the piano player to play I Want to Be Loved by You, which Marilyn Monroe famously sang in Some Like It Hot. I also felt that that outfit reminded me of Marilyn singing to little girls from Little Rock. Yeah, it's a very, it's a full cabaret performer type of number, yes. right? It's all spangly and spark. She's not playing. Like, you know, she's happening? desperate for attention. Hence the name Center of Attention. Robert. Yes. Please take us like moment by moment of what happens. Cause this is the best part of the whole show. I mean, so it's, I'm not even going to get into it. Like, but Blanche basically perches herself on the piano in her red spangly sequin dress with the microphone, up, you know, above her. And she starts crooning in, and you know, she does not have a great voice. Shall we say? <laughs> So she's cooing, I want to be loved by you. And while she's singing, she's trying to do this whole, you know, languishing across the piano, but she's kind of fumbling across it. She sits on the keys. She's hitting the pianist. She's not very expert at this and just truly sucks. There's no way of saying it. And doesn't she then like try to kick her foot up? Oh, yeah. She kicks her foot, one of her shoes goes flying off. She descends from the piano to work the room, as you might say, but she even sucks at that. Like, she goes up to some guy and is like, hey, handsome, is that a gun in your pocket? And he pulls out what happens to be a gun. (laughs) She, like, runs away really fast. (laughs) She then sits on a dude's lap, and one of the patrons tells her, oh, that's Ed, he had, like, hip surgery. (laughs) So she's like, oh, shit. She's like, oh, fuck. And then she starts kind of like big finish. She starts swinging the microphone in this kind of sexy, playful way. But it gets way out of control. It starts hitting people. (laughs) She strangles one of the patrons with the mic cord. It's (laughs) Then she starts screaming when she's swinging the mic like in terror. But all she had to do was just pull the cord down. Put the mic down, step away from the piano. It's truly a shit show. Oh my god! I love how much you were like you're truly laughing because just even the memory of it is uh, so. Good. I love. I remember the first time I saw that episode, I was dying. Like it was. It's amazing. just the best thing ever. I mean, at this point, Blanche is horrified and she exits the room and goes to the restroom. And what does Rose do? Rose sees like the mic, so because she finally steps away from the mic and leaves it on the piano. And Rose notices the mic there with nobody kind of around it. 
And of course she can't help herself. She goes and picks up the mic and kind of taps on it. She does that thing where she's like, boom, boom, boom. A rabbi, a priest. You know, she starts telling some joke. I I love it because you think she's going to go and sing this song. No. She's going to do stand-up comedy. God bless her. At this point, I'd be like, you know what? Bring it on. (laughs) Totally. Why not? Maybe she's going to become as popular as Dorothy. It's anybody's game. So Blanche runs to the bathroom because she can't handle... Like, she thought she would, like, you know, give Dorothy what's for, but instead, she couldn't have sucked worse. Like, it was not only a horrible performance, it was, like, just high comedy. It was cringy. It's so cringy and bad and hilarious. That you, first of all, want to thank her, but then you're just kind of like, yeah. So Dorothy goes after her. And this sits up the dialogue that is one of... The, so there's a few things. Are you ready? I'm ready. Javi and I are going to recreate it for you. And then we'll talk about why I love it so much. Because it's funny, but it's there's also something very honest and sweet about it. And it's so appropriate for both of the characters. I find it fascinating and and we'll get into it in the role of blanche Devereaux, we have a robert bess and in the role of dorothy zbornak who i typically would play dorothy but because i'm feeling generous i'm gonna let javi take that role and actually because blanche is the better role in this case <laughs> i also like when i first did it i had this crazy accent and totally like mortified Javi wanted to record it as like a weird fake voice and i was like that's not how we're gonna do this here goes. Blanche, I don't understand what you're so upset about. The rusty anchor is my place, damn it, not yours. Blanche, you were the one who begged me to come down here. You were the one who told me to get a life. Well, I didn't mean mine. I didn't know you were going to come in here and just take my place away from me. I would never do that to you, Dorothy. Do you see me going down to the library to sing? Well, do you? I'm sorry. I had no idea. Well, all right. The truth is, I'm jealous of you. Oh, God, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Blanche, what are you talking about? Dorothy, the one thing I've always been assured of in my life is being the center of attention. I never had to worry about competing with any other woman because I'd always win. But when I saw you sing the other night, I realized why all those men were practically falling all over themselves to get to you. Because, Dorothy, when you sing, you light up the room. You do. You positively glow. You're just, you're beautiful. Blanche, you don't have to say that. Believe me, I don't like saying it. But it's true. You can attract men in a way I can't, and I'm jealous. Blanche Devereaux, that is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. It is? Absolutely. Yeah, you're probably right. Most of the time when I compliment you, I'm not being sincere, but I really meant that last one, I swear. Look, Blanche, the rusty anger is not worth risking our friendship over. If you want me to stop coming here, just say so. I want you to stop coming here. Like hell I will. So Blanche and Dorothy agree to, they work out like an alternate day attendance where one of them will come one night, the other the other night, so on and so forth. But my favorite part of that, though, is that because, of course, it's a seven-day week, it's not even, Dorothy then says like, oh, well, what about Sundays? And Blanche is like, oh, Dorothy, Sundays the men are drunk and restless and horny. They've been watching football all day and they're rowdy. And Dorothy just interrupts her. She's like, you want Sundays, don't you? And Blanche is like, please. (laughs) That's a true friend right there. A true friend. Like negotiating what days to show up to the rusty anchor. It ends with then, I think, they're like, let's do a duet together. Um, And they're kind of fixing their hair and stuff in the mirror. Blanche asks Dorothy. Dorothy, are you ever jealous of me? And Dorothy says, every day of my life. And then she asks Blanche, do you know Crimea River? 
And Dorothy's like, no, I don't actually think I know that one. And Blanche is like, good, that's the one we'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Episode ends. Such a good episode. I mean. So many. So so many. many, Like Golden Girls, truly. Like there's millions to choose from. This one is my favorite, though. And in that interchange, it's this honesty in Blanche that you just never see. You really get like, and it's a little bit sad because she is this incredibly vain, sort of needy person who has built her worth on being the center of attention or getting attention. And, and you think for her to admit to being jealous of somebody who she has just never thought of as a threat is this really interesting thing. I couldn't love it more. I did write in my notes that this was my favorite scene uh, that Blanche and Dorothy have ever been in together. Yeah. It's, it feels really honest too. It's just great. And like you said, like it's very true to who they are. Yeah. So that's the Golden Girls uh, journey to the center of attention. Couldn't love this episode more. I literally wanted to just line read the whole thing because it's so good. One of my favorites too is when they go um, to visit uh, Rose's where she's born at. Oh, Saint Olaf! Oh god, yeah. that one's so good. They take like a, a road trip on a train. <laughs> that one's insane. I love it. So nutty. I mean. There are countless great Golden Girls episodes. You should all watch all of them. Um, Interesting when we talk about the show itself as well. I think it started out the very first episode, the pilot. They had like a gay chef. I was going to say that right now. Named Coco. And I think they said that once they saw like, which was very progressive, mind you, for 1985 to have a character that identified as gay, even if he's living with a bunch of old women in Miami, is still super progressive. But... When they saw the first, I think when they saw the rushes or whatever, they just thought that the dynamic of the women was so strong. And then the introduction of Sophia as Dorothy's mom was really all the color they needed. And so they kind of pivoted and they got rid of the chef character. Poor guy. Yeah, They're like, bye, Coco. Good luck. Well, he was also like unnecessary. Yeah, it just didn't add anything to the, you know, he was just like the bitchy gay. And he was just like watering plants and shit. I mean, but you know, like, honestly, I want to remake Golden Girls with a bitchy gay chef who is the central character. Uh, I mean, isn't um, Blanche's brother gay in the show yeah. too? They had a lot of gay characters. They had like... The episode where Rose gets hit on by a friend of Dorothy's who's... Oh, my God. I just said friend of Dorothy. That's a... That's a uh, yes! Yes! Um, who, she's a lesbian. And she kind of falls has a crush on um, Rose. The man's as gay as a pig dick basket. <laughs> totally. So that was super fun. I know. Mini I'm queen. excited. I'm excited that we did the Golden Girl. Yeah, me too. And we'll have lots more fun little micro episodes like this where we just, like, go nuts. Because that's what it felt like we did. Javi tries to do weird voices. I get quotes wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, like that kind of voice. Weird. And I'll sing horribly, which I love doing. They're going to be like, we're done with (laughs) this. Totally. And, you know, you can let us know how you feel about these micro episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Quick shout out. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everybody who follows, listens, subscribes, blah, the huge. Thanks, Jeff, for helping produce uh, this and with title music. Yeah, and um, tune in next time to hear more crazy nuttiness on the Mini Queens. Minor micro episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye, Queens. Bye. Mini Queens. Mini who? Mini you. Mini me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.